Jesus, on this resurrection morning, thank you for meeting us in this place. <laughs> and uh, thank you for receiving us as we come to you in communion to remember, for being present, and for offering grace and mercy. And thank you for your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I don't know if you, uh, uh, what kind of circumstance that you might be in in this moment as you come to this Easter service. For some, I'm certain this is a, a fantastic Easter weekend for you. It was filled with joy. I, I know from the things I saw yesterday with our kids that were here for our weekend of celebration with the uh, Easter egg hunt, some of them got gigantic Easter bunnies yesterday. I'm sure they're happy. It was a great weekend for them. Uh, I saw that my son, uh, who has a beard and a thing, he ended up in one of the skits they did, getting syrup on everything. So I'm sure he's having a sticky Easter morning, trying to pick syrup out of his beard. I don't know what circumstance that you're in. Uh, it was fun to get to talk with some of you as you came in this morning because there was real joy. And, and for some, uh, well, it's been, a, it's been a while since you had a, ch a chance to come back. In fact, I know we have a couple of families that uh, this is the first time you've been back since the COVID break. And for whatever reason, uh, life had just kept you out. So it's good to have some folks uh, back with us again. Having said that, I, I want to say, because I, I don't know everyone's circumstance, I want to make sure that before we go any further in the service that we just address three or four things that are really important. Here's one of them. If you come to this place today and you find that you are in a, a really difficult space in your life and you need someone to come alongside you and to be a, a friend, a companion, a helper on the journey, we want to be that for you. And so up front, before we even start, I want you to know that if you need prayer today, after this service ends, just make your way back to that back corner back there, and we have some folks who would love to pray with you. Uh, if you are here today and you have a financial concern, a financial need, and you find yourself struggling uh, and you're really in a bad way, we want to help you with that. We have a benevolence team that would be happy to come alongside you and to help on that journey. If you are really struggling with mental health and addiction issues, uh, we are a congregation that believes in investing in people. We, we, we believe in people. Jesus is in that that that. Uh, he he is, a, is a restorer of people, and we want to join in restoration. And so if that's a concern for you, if that's a need for you, uh, we're a congregation that actually helps to provide and to pay for uh, folks to have professional counseling uh, through Christian counselors. And so we would want to come alongside you and, and to help you any way we can. Of course, beyond all of that, if you're here today uh, and, and you don't have uh, access, you don't have a, a Bible or you don't have a means of of reading God's word, we want to give you that as well. And so if you'll stop by our visitor center out here in the hallway, uh, we'll be happy to just, just pick one up. Take one of the Bibles. If you're a young person, take a youth Bible. If you're an adult, take one of the adult Bibles. We just want you to have God's word with you. Uh, on Easter Sunday of all days, this should be a day of celebration and resurrection and renewal. And these are things, reading God's word, uh, getting uh, your life back on track and in the right place with God, these are things that bring renewal into our life. They bring joy into our life, and we want to provide that and help provide that for you as a church. So let me say it this way. It's not an accident God brought you to Ogleville this morning, and however you came into this space, you don't have to leave the same way. Burdens can be lifted. A life can be redirected, and you can discover a kind of hope maybe you haven't even known ever or in a long time. This is a message about hope, and, and one, of, one of the things I want to say on this Easter Sunday is that I recognize things just don't always turn out the way we 
We hope that they would. This is a reality. Uh, things don't always go as planned, right? Sometimes the, the best laid plans just, well, they just fall apart. Uh, like for this poor guy, he decided he'd go skiing one day. And uh, as you can tell, things did not turn out at all like he thought they'd turn out. Uh, we took a group of young people, that's not me, but it's like a picture like I was. We took a group of people down to Paoli to go skiing several years ago, and I had never skied. Uh, and, and you can see that I'm not the smallest of people. And so uh, it was kind of a big deal. I got the skis on, and, and I started down what they call their little bunny hill or whatever. And I was doing really good, you know, snowplow turn, right? So I'd get going and stop. Well, I can plow a little more snow than most people. But, but I was plowing the snow and doing my thing, going down the hill. And, and, and it was great until the very end. And I don't know if you've ever been to Paoli, but the bunny hill ends. And then there's like a, a cliff down to the ski lift at the end. And I was like, what in the world? What kind of torturous thing was this? So I start going down, and I'm snow plowing. Man, I look like a snowblower. The snow is and I'm flying down that hill. And it ended a lot like that. The best laid plans don't always turn out the way we hoped they would. And, and sometimes life just knocks us flat on our back. It's not uncommon. There are other things that happen to us. You, you go out to get ice cream, and the ice cream cone falls down, right? It just doesn't turn out your way. Or this poor lady who just thought she was going to go have a, she thought she was prepared for the day, and boy, she wasn't. Life just pitched a lot of things at her. Life's like that. And our best laid plans sometimes just come all to pieces. And um, I think that in some ways, not everything that falls apart is so humorous. And some of you know what this is like because you've experienced that a lot of things in life, when they fall apart, it hurts. Some of you had hoped for, man, a glorious marriage, but it didn't turn out that way. Others had had, had a good handle. You were just a casual drinker. You, you didn't drink too much. It wasn't a thing, but it got ahead of you or got a hold of you. And, well, the next thing you know, it was like a prison. Sometimes through no fault of your own, finances Take a blow. People lose houses. Uh, fortunes are lost. And of course, and this really brings the mood down, <laughs> sometimes the diagnosis isn't what we hoped it would be. In fact, sometimes it seems our prayers aren't answered. We don't get the answer we were hoping for when we prayed. Things don't always turn out like we wanted them to. Instead of what we hoped for, sometimes we find that our dreams are crushed. And it feels like our hopes are demolished. If you've ever felt that way, or if you feel that way today, you're in good company on this Easter Sunday, because that's exactly how Cleopas felt some 1,970-odd years ago. Cleopas was a follower of Jesus, and, and, and he's on a walk from Jerusalem to a town called Emmaus on the, on the Sabbath day after Jesus had died on the cross. For all he knows, Jesus is still in the tomb. And as he walks along, he's having a conversation with another person. As he walks along, he says, uh, he starts to talk about Jesus of Nazareth. And he says, Jesus was a prophet. He was powerful in word and in deed before God and all the people. But the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. They crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. We had hoped. 
Uh, That's probably where some of you have been. I I had hoped this would happen, but it didn't turn out that way. And that was Cleopas on this day. (laughs) I thought things were going to be good. I thought Jesus was the way. (laughs) It just didn't turn out at all like I thought. Let me introduce another person that's in play on that first Easter Sunday. Mary, who goes to the tomb, her hope is frustrated She is not going there hoping to see Jesus alive. That that to her would seem impossible. She just wants to go there to pay respect, to put some perfume there, to do some things to to kind of make the tomb, the grave nicer. But when she gets there, her hope that she's going to get a chance to at least do something nice for a deceased Jesus is frustrated. And when she gets there, listen to what it says. It says, early on the first day of the week, she got up early. It was important to her to go do this. While it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb, and she saw the stone had been removed from the entrance, and she was surprised. And so she looks in, and she sees Jesus is not there. So she came running to Simon Peter, and she said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. (laughs) This doesn't make any sense. Things aren't happening the way I thought they were going to happen, and she's frustrated. Because even the simple act of kindness she wants to offer Jesus, she can't offer it. Life's frustrating sometimes. This next one might shock you to know that the great leaders of the faith, the people that Jesus had chosen to follow him on this first Easter Sunday, they have fallen into not just depression, but disbelief. Listen to what it says. Their hope had become disbelief. When Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he had appeared first to Mary, spoiler alert, one of whom he had driven seven demons out of, and she went and told those who had been with him who were mourning and weeping, that is, the disciples. But when they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they did not believe it. No, that's not possible. (laughs) That can't be. These were his closest friends. But they refused to hope for the impossible. I want to say this to you today. Don't make their mistake. Don't play the cynic who says, I've lost hope. Things can't get any better. I've lost hope. This situation's impossible. Don't fall into that trap. And if you have fallen into it, well, then let this be a day that your hope gets resurrected. Because Jesus is in the business of resurrecting hope. And hope often appears when you least expect it. Now, I want to tell you a personal event that happened this weekend. I had the great privilege, I, I'm, I know I don't look it, but I'm a grandpa now, you know. And, um, and my grand, three, three of my grandchildren, two granddaughters, a grandson, spent the night with us on on Friday night, and it was a neat night to have them over, a lot of fun. Nana did all those Easter things with them that you would do. And I got back after our Good Friday service just in time to do uh, bedtime stories and prayers. And so I got to tell you, I, I'm a storyteller. I, I write stories. I enjoy storytelling. And I think I'm pretty good at kids' bedtime stories. I've been doing them for 30-plus years now. I think I'm good at that. And so I had a real good one dreamed up for the original fun you know, they're the kids are the heroes, all kinds of good stuff in the story. And I get into my story, and I'm about halfway through, and I'm just getting to the exciting part. And one of my granddaughters, Charlotte, who's three years old, she says, Grandpa, 
when you get done with your story, will you just tell us a story about God? <laughs> that was the end of my story. <laughs> There's something about God that's special. And she knows that even though she's only three. And his story is the best story. And God's story is a story of bringing hope where there's none. It's a story of bringing hope when you least expect it. And that's what happens on that Easter Sunday. You see, Cleopas doesn't recognize it yet, but that guy he's talking to the road on the road is Jesus. He doesn't know that's who it is, but that's who it is. Jesus is already with them, even though he doesn't recognize it. And before I go any farther, just let me whisper this into your ear. Some of you who may feel far away from Jesus are about to find out he's walking with you too. He's walking with you too. Here's what happened to Cleopas. Two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. You might not always recognize that it's Jesus, but Jesus is there. Jesus asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? And they stood with their faces downcast. They were still really sad about what had happened for good reason. And one of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only person visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened there these days? And Jesus replied, what things? <laughs> Which is really funny, right? Because this is Jesus. If anyone knows what happened, he knows. But he has this moment of letting Cleopas process what's going on out loud. He has this moment of talking him through events. And what we know later on about this is Jesus will even guide him towards the truth of what everything meant and why it had to happen. I wish that I had that kind of perfect knowledge about everything because I've been here with you when we've lost babies that we didn't expect to lose. And we've lost family members. And, and I wish I could have the clarity as your pastor to walk alongside you and help you make sense of every single thing and show you how all of the pieces connect. And I can't. I wish that I could. But I believe this. Jesus is really good at connecting the pieces. And even though we don't have perfect clarity on this side of heaven... One day we will. One day we will. And just like he walked alongside Cleopas and his friend and helped them make sense of their world, well, one day he'll help us make sense of ours. Mary doesn't recognize it, but she's also talking to Jesus. There in the garden after she runs to Peter, it tells us that Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. The angels asked her, woman, why are you crying? And she said, they've taken my Lord away, and I don't know where they've put him. By the way, like Mary, some of you may have lost track of Jesus for a while. It's not hard to do that, life and everything else gets going, and we kind of lose track of that relationship. Mary feels disconnected, lost from Jesus right now. She's like, where do I find him? How do I get to him? But as I already told you, he's a lot closer than you think. 
In fact, he has said, if you seek me, you'll find me. Here's Mary seeking. And guess what? Once again, she's going to find Jesus. It says, as this happened, as she turned around, there was Jesus standing there, but she did not realize it was Jesus, just like Cleopas and his friend. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go and get him. <laughs> what have you done with Jesus? I'll bring him back. <laughs> she doesn't know it. But she's with Jesus. It's like that old commercial. Some of you will remember this, right? Madge doesn't know it, but her fingers are in palm olive right now, right? She doesn't recognize what's going on, but that's what's going on. And then there's those disciples. The disciples are there. And their disbelief and their, uh, their lack of, of willingness to hope is also about to be, to be changed, to be confronted. And this time it will be confronted by Jesus. Now, his actions towards them, his close followers, is a little different than it was for everyone else. Could we say he expected more from them? And there are some of us who have been Christians for a long time and Christ followers, and I want you to hear that sometimes Jesus might expect more from you than he expects from someone else. He's already made quite an investment in you. He'd made quite an investment in the disciples. And so when he gets to them, his response is a little stern. In fact, we should take note of the sternness of Jesus from time to time, because he's pretty stern with those who are faithful, especially when they have left the faith for a time. Jesus appeared to the 11, we already know what had happened to Judas of the 12. As they were eating, Jesus rebuked them for their lack of faith. He rebuked them for their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. He, ref he had said, listen, why didn't you listen to Mary? Why didn't you believe what she said? And then Jesus himself stood among them, and he said to them, peace be with you. And it says that while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, as they came to realize that Jesus was with them, their disbelief turned to joy. <laughs> it turned to amazement. It was transformed. I hope on this resurrection day there's a transformation that takes place in me. And I hope there's one that takes place in you. And I hope that joy comes into our lives in ways we haven't thought about it or experienced it before. Because when all hope seems lost... Jesus resurrects hope. The disciples had lost it, Mary had lost it, Cleopas had lost it, and yet Jesus brings it back in a way that is unimaginable. To Cleopas, he finds that his hope is rekindled and that his heart is fired up because of what happens with Jesus. At the end of their walk, Jesus sits down with them at a table, he breaks bread, he gives thanks, and he begins to give it to them. And in that moment, at the breaking of the bread, their eyes are open and they recognize Jesus. And then he disappeared from their sight. They ask each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road? And he opened the scriptures to us. And I want to tell you something. 
If you'll start to take heart of God's word and listen to Jesus and his message to you, it will fire up your heart. And maybe that's what we need today. Maybe some hearts that have grown cold need to be fired up. Mary, I love her story. She goes from a moment of disaster to a moment of destiny. And this woman who came there seeking only to offer some incense and flowers discovers she will be a messenger of hope. She will be one who brings hope to many. And so it's Mary. Jesus tells her, Jesus said to her, Mary, and she turned around. She recognizes Jesus. She cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Then Jesus said a curious thing. He says, Mary, now don't hold on to me. I have not yet ascended to the Father. Because he had some more work to do, by the way. The Bible tells us that he has to appear to some people. He'll appear to his brother James, who doesn't believe in him. And James will come to faith. He'll appear to Peter, who's been doubting and has denied him three times. You know he appeared to Cleopas. And he has some other work to do, to set the captives free. But that's another sermon for another day. And then he goes to the Father. So he says, go instead, Mary, and do this. Go to my brothers. Go to my disciples and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. This is beautiful for Mary. She gets to go be a messenger of Jesus. I don't know if you caught it earlier. Remember what it said? Jesus had cast seven demons out of her. Wow. When you talk about who God picks, do you think that he picks uh, people we wouldn't? You know, I don't know about you, but if I'm hearing that like some person was like in a horror movie that was based on the truth and she had seven demons and then she becomes the world's first evangelist of the resurrection, that's not who I would have picked. You know, I'd like go find Billy Graham or something like that, right? That's the evangelist. I don't think I'd go out for the demon-possessed woman, right? But not Jesus. I just want you to get this. I don't know what your status is and what your situation is, and I hope you're not possessed by seven demons. But if you are, there's still hope. Because he can do incredible things. And he can make a messenger of hope out of a person whose life was utterly hopeless. Hopeless. And let me say this. If Jesus isn't in your life, there is a kind of hopelessness that exists there. And as for the disciples, well, you know they become witnesses of the resurrection. It tells us that they found the 11 and those with them assembled together, and they began saying, it is true, the Lord has risen. Luke tells us that Jesus told them, and now you will be witnesses of these things. You know, I've always liked the fact that as, as God, God picked the, the date of the crucifixion and the resurrection, and our Easter's are always based off of when the Passover occurs because it's, it's actually linked to the Jewish calendar. It tells us that although we have no clue when Jesus was born and Christmas is just a randomly picked day, Easter always comes in the springtime. The resurrection happened in the springtime. I think that's a fascinating thing. 
It's, it's something that Martin Luther said that I think is fascinating. He said, our Lord has written the promise of the resurrection, not just in the books of the Bible, but in every leaf of springtime. And isn't that awesome to see how that, that life is coming back again after the harshness of winter? I need to show you a picture. This is a picture from just off my front door stoop. Uh, if you were to look down, I know it doesn't look very great. It's not the greatest of images there, but I want you just to take a look at some things that are happening there. In the middle of your screen, you'll see that little yellow daffodil. All right, now, now that's an important part of the story because what's, what's, you see that green thing? That's my downspout from my gutter. There's a round thing that we'll put a planter on here in a few weeks. I should have already done that, but haven't yet to make the house look better. And underneath that, there is a, a badly, now not very covered piece of fabric, ground fabric, that was down. Why? Well, I had tried to uh, refashion the landscaping around the front of my house last year. And as we did that, that meant kind of going over some plants and things that had grown up and some problem areas that we had there. And I put that stone right on top of, of a section where there were always weeds growing and plants growing and and I put that round stone right on top of that. On top, that's on top of the fabric. I mean, this thing is buried in the ground. Well, that rainstorm we had Thursday night, remember that gully wumper? That happened the night before this happened. And I mean, it, you can see it pushed away the mulch. It exposed that black fabric. So you have to understand my complete amazement when I walked out my step and I see that yellow daffodil has creeped out from underneath that fabric. Like that's an amazing thing because I did a lot of things to keep that from happening. And it still found a way to come to life. What's really remarkable is that plant that you see up there on the other side that's growing with no flowers, that's, that's, those are daffodils. And not a one of them has come out yet. Thank you for those plants, by the way, Melody. They came from you a long time ago. Those are daffodils, and not one of them has budded, and they have water, and they have fertilizer, and they have the sun, and not one of them came to life, but the one trapped in the ground, the one buried under the stone, uh, the one that I did everything I could to keep them from growing, it's the one that came to life. And that, my friends, is the most beautiful thing when the preacher walks out his door and he gets the conclusion to his Easter message given to him by God. Because right there is the story. Despite the fact that that old devil did everything he could to keep Jesus in the ground, to make sure there was no way he could come out, to seal it with a round stone across the top, Jesus did rise from the grave. Death could not hold him. And there was hope resurrected in that moment. And what he does for flowers, he does for people. And you may feel trapped, and you may feel in prison, and you may feel like there's no way out. But just like he sent a rainstorm to wash away the mulch on the fabric to make it easier to grow, he has a way of bringing his cleansing flood into your life. And he wants to do that this Easter. And if you're here, I need you to hear the words that Jesus spoke to Mary when her brother had died. And he said to her something that is a message of hope for him, for them, and for us today. And as I conclude the message, hear these words from Jesus himself. And let these words sink in that he's not just speaking to someone else, he is speaking these words to you. He's speaking these words to me. Jesus said to her, 
I am the resurrection. I am the life. And the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then the question, the question that he asked her and the question he asked you and he asked me, do you, do you believe this? If you're ready to say yes and you've never yet said, I believe, this should be the day you do it. If you want to make Jesus your Lord and Savior and receive his hope, his life, his resurrection in your life, then do so. Come forward and make a confession of faith. Be faithful in Christian baptism to to walk a new life. I don't know, maybe there's another decision God's placed on your heart, but as as we sing, I pray you'll be faithful to do what the Lord directs you to do as we sing our hymn of invitation. Stand with me.